Welcome to the Clients and Conversions Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Clem, and I've helped fellow entrepreneurs and business owners just like you harness the power of social media to grow your audience by the hundreds, 2x their launch sales, and have client leads banging down the door to book a call with you. And I'm the first to say that hustling and searching hours online for your next client or student is not the vital ingredient to your success or even your happiness. This podcast is for driven entrepreneurs, from coaches to course creators and everything in between, to access practical and actionable tactics on everything from how to get clients with Instagram advertising and really unlock the keys from sales and social media to get growth with the simplest tools possible while keeping it just long enough to get you through your walk, drive, or workout. So stick with us for this episode and the ones to come so you can get more clients and sales in less time. Now let's get into it. Hey guys, today we have on Brandy Miles, who is a Facebook and Instagram ad strategist helping online course creators and launch their courses and fill their webinars, while also helping online service writers scale to consistent 10K months without hiring a team. Welcome to the show, Brandy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am too. And for those who don't know, Brandy is someone who kind of, we kind of came into our own sphere probably in the last couple of months. And she's someone who I find is not only a wealth of knowledge, but even more so she truly cares about those people who are in her membership or even in her audience who ask questions. So for anyone who is in the space of wanting to learn more about really to scale your business, but even more so to simplify it so you're not doing all the things, you're in the right place. Yes, okay. that is definitely something I'm passionate about. Yes, exactly. And that's what we're going to go into today. It's going to be awesome. So I love to begin this show with a little bit of your journey to kind of like where you're at to where you're at today. And then usually end with your zone of genius topics around what we already mentioned and then ending with rapid fire rounds. So for those who are on here, can you let them know a little bit about how you grew up to what led you to going down this path? Yes. So my background is very, very not entrepreneur. I think I was supposed to be an entrepreneur for a very young age. Like if there was something that needed to be sold, I was selling it like lemonade stands, wrapping paper cookies, you name it. Like that was like what I was born to do. And then I went to college, law school, and my journey from law school was um, after that, I ended up in direct sales. And that was six years of my life. And then I was eight months pregnant and super hormonal and like just making crazy changes. And I left all that behind and didn't really know the direction that my life was going to take. And when my daughter was five months old, I realized like, okay, I got to find something that's mine being a mom is so empowering. It's amazing, but I needed something that was mine. And so I found out about virtual assistants. I really thought they sent out postcards, like I <laughs> thought that's what they did. Cause that's what I had hired them to do. Mm -hmm. And I knew there was no way that I was going to be sending out postcards, but I found out I could do people's social media and get paid to do it. And so that's where my journey began was just doing organic social media. I scaled that pretty quickly. And then from there, it led me to Facebook and Instagram ads. And since January, my business has just like exploded. And now I also have a membership and I'm teaching other service-based entrepreneurs how to do the exact same thing. There's so many good things in there that I want to go into. But the first thing that I think is really interesting is your relationship when it comes to your past experience on direct sales and even law school. So I'm curious, did you, or even now, do you bring anything that you've learned from those two areas of your life into your business today? Or is it kind of like two separate fields for you? Okay. So law school made me very, like, I am someone who's like, you don't have a contract. What are you talking about? 
when people tell me they don't have contracts with their clients, I'm like, <gasps> like that's awful. So that, but like other than that, law school made me really good at Jeopardy, and mm-hmm. that's about it. But <laughs> also from drug sellers, yes, I learned a lot. I made a lot of mistakes, and from that, it just. I think the big thing that I got out of that, and I was talking to someone the other day about it, was it opened my mind to there's more possibilities out there than a traditional nine to five. And I'm so thankful for that. And um, my friend Tia, she was actually talking about the same thing. And so I love that. And then I also made a lot of financial, like just mistakes. And so going into this business, I knew that that was going to be an area that was a weakness, but I made it my focus. And that's really served me well. I love that. And I think that's a huge piece too that you mentioned. I mean, one about contracts, that's a necessity, but even more so is that place. It's kind of like opening the door to possibility, I think is kind of what you're mentioning with direct sales or having that experience because in traditional media, whether it be TV shows, movies, you don't really hear much about entrepreneurs unless you're watching maybe Shark Tank, but everything else is actors or teachers. Like we don't really get to hear that side of the area because it's so new, but also so I think personalized to each person. Yeah. And I think one of the things too, is if you look at it like 20 years ago, entrepreneurs, and maybe even 10 years ago, entrepreneurs was not like the sexy term. It was like you were working hard and not getting paid. And now it's like the complete opposite, which is so exciting. Yeah. You were in your mom's basement trying to figure out how to do coding. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, it's really amazing to see how much this has grown, even like you said, the last 10 years, even five years, just the exploding nature of this industry and even more to grow from that. So I'd love to hear from you too. You mentioned that um, you kind of started this business more so in January and it kind of just exploded from there. What do you find for you were kind of like two or three of the biggest shifts that either you made from a mindset perspective or marketing or business that really were like the key things to you just like, you know, skyrocketing your business. Right. So I was sitting, it was October and I was like, I was making $6,000 a month, which was great, but I was burned out. I was, I had hit a cap. Like there was no way that I was getting above that. So I took a look at my business and was like, what am I doing that I shouldn't be doing? And it was a lot of what loud people on the internet were telling me to do. Like you have to be on every platform. Mm -hmm. You have to be offering all these services. You have to think about growing an agency. And I knew that those were not like what I wanted to do. So I took a step back and was like, what can I do to make this a business that I love? And that's when I got really specific with my systems. I streamlined those. I decided I was not going to hire a team. I elevated my services. And then I just got really intentional with what my time looked like. And from there, it just was like amazing what happened. I love that. And I think that's such a huge piece that so many, especially service-based entrepreneurs, because so much of our time is literally money that we kind of give it freely. And that can really play as a blessing and curse for a lot of us because especially, and this is maybe just me, but it's just from everyone I know, service providers are chronic overgivers or over, you know, giving too much value, not even too much value, but just more than you're needed to. And because of that, we, we lose more time than we should be. So I love to hear for you now that you finally like taking out all the kind of BS when it comes to everything around marketing for the systems in your business, what do you find for a lot of service providers, including yourself that are like couple systems that they're probably either don't have need to have or something in that area to really just get back some of their time, but also not have to pay like two or three people to do it. 
Right. And so I think the big thing is you just need some, like a few simple tools and yeah, you may have to pay for them, but it's not going to cost a lot. Mm -hmm. Like I literally have a love obsession with Dubsado Mm -hmm. and I use ClickUp and I use Google and Zoom. And those are literally the four tools I use that run my business. And that's all you need. And, you know, Zoom, if you're not doing like Facebook lives, it's free. Mm-hmm. And if Dubsado is only like $35 a month, Google's free and ClickUp's free. Like it doesn't have to be expensive. And that's what I love about it. But like, you have to have a place where you sit down, you get your proposals together, you get your contracts together, you get your scheduler up and you have all those things there. So everything's automated and you don't need a VA because it's already taken care of through automation. And that's what I love is we try to overcomplicate things or we try to get them as cheap as possible. And that ends up having like, hello sign over here and then wait, <laughs> or like mm-hmm. just pay $35 and it's all together, you know? So I think yeah. that's the big thing. I definitely see that in my, either people in my audience or even myself when I first started. I remember, you know, getting every tool under the sun, whether it be, you know, Acuity trial, Calendly trial, that like there's so many different things that when you start to realize how much am I really paying for this when it could just be an all-in-one, that's where I think a lot of people need to get smarter about because that's something that really when you're a service-based entrepreneur, the more tools you have, it's probably going to be honestly, the more your brain has to switch through things. Like I think we all know this is the more mental calories we burn, the harder it is to keep going in our day. So when you have to switch from Google to Calendly to, I don't know, hello sign to all these things, like your brain does not know how to function, let alone do this on a day-to-day basis. So I love how you streamlined for you, at least the four tools that you have for yourself. And I'm assuming your students do as well. So inside of that too, kind of walk us through for you, the difference between where you're at now uh, to where you were at in the past on your day-to-day schedule. Because I think a lot of people don't talk about this for service providers. They think they're probably on calls all day, or they're probably doing this all day. And especially from someone who's seen your Instagram stories recently, I think you have a great balance and blend of the two. So I'd love to hear for those who are probably like dying to know what is a normal, which is a hard word to use for entrepreneurship, but a traditional like day for you. Okay. So I'm going to break this down because there, there is two aspects of my business now. There's the service provider and then the membership owner. And those are very different. Um, so I'm just going to talk about the service provider because that one is very streamlined where the membership one, we're still working out our systems. And so as a service provider, one of the biggest things that I teach And one of the things I've had to even get better at is not having discovery calls every day, like pick one or two days that you are on discovery calls. And those are the only times that you do it. And right now my calendar is actually shut off. Like no one can even book with me. And so that's freed up a ton of my time. And one of the other things is like knowing your numbers. So your marketing minutes is what we call them and your conversions on discovery calls. And once you can really streamline those and make those things a priority, then it's just literally the three things you take care of is discovery calls, marketing minutes, and client work. And then everything else doesn't need to happen. Like it really doesn't (laughs) unless it's one day a month where you go through and pick, like do your books and keeping like that. But pretty much that's what my days look like. Client work, discover. well, now I don't have discovery calls, but when I did, discovery calls and then marketing minutes. So those just look like how long I'm spending either on LinkedIn, Facebook, marketing my services. It's not scrolling. It's being very intentional. 
Yeah, that's something that's been really interesting for myself as well as the last couple of months. I've really taken a step back from really any scrolling whatsoever. I think I have Facebook Newsfeed Eradicator on my desktop. I, you know, whenever I use Instagram, I make sure that it's for a certain time because that's a really big thing that a lot of entrepreneurs get stuck into is that piece. And you actually brought up a really great note about the calls, about discovery calls. And every service-based entrepreneur has to, not has to, but usually has a call they have to do before you sign a client, especially if they're higher up. There's this been debate I've been seeing for a little bit around those who kind of position the call as either this is just a consult call where we're going to find a right fit and if we are awesome to one that's like, hey, here's a free call. I'm going to give you free strategy. And if we want to work over later, that's great. Do you find for you, especially when you're first starting, that when you did your calls, did you position them more as just like a fitting call or more of a, hey, here's some free strategy and then after that? Because I think that's a debate I've been seeing a lot, especially for coaches they are like, do either this or only for consults. I'd love to hear your perspective. So I'm not giving strategy away for free. <laughs> and everyone who knows me knows like, that is why our discovery calls are 15 minutes because in 15 minutes, there's no room for strategy. Because if you give someone strategy, why do they need to hire you? Mm -hmm. Now I do have a strategy call that's $997 for one hour. And yeah, we'll jump on the phone for an hour. And what usually ends up happening is they hire me after that strategy call, but I'm also getting paid a thousand dollars for that call. Mm -hmm. Like that's the difference. When you give away strategy, no one's going to, I mean, they may, but like free strategy one, those people aren't taking you serious. And two, then like, no, you don't work for free. Like I'm so against that. We don't work for free. I'm, I, I'm just going to get off that because this is like one of those topics that fires me up. But no, I even tell my members in serve scale. So discovery call should be 15 minutes because in 15 minutes you find out if y'all are a good fit together, but there's not enough room for strategy in 15 minutes. I love that. And I totally agree with that because I remember when I was first starting, I think I had coaches as well who were like, you should position it more as a free strategy call because that way people are more willing to go in the call. But I, that really, A, really screws up your conversion rate, let me tell you. And B, also it makes you feel more drained too because then you're worrying the whole call about, oh, I need to pitch them soon or I need to transition to the, the offering. So I love that you mentioned that, especially for those I think who are under the six figure mark. I think part of them are worried, honestly, about like, if I call it just a console call, then they're probably not want to get on the phone with me. So I love your perspective on that. Yeah. And I don't call them a consult call. I call them a discovery call. You can pot, you can schedule a call with me and we'll see if we're a good fit together. And there's ways that I teach, like getting on camera, like just standing out mm -hmm. in the crowd and positioning yourself in different ways where like, they're going to pick a discovery call with you, no matter what you call it. A hundred percent. Yeah. There's so many different names out there, honestly, discovery, fitting, clarity. I hate the one that's clarity calls. I think there's, I just hate the name of it. <laughs> um, but I think that's a really great part that you mentioned around these calls. And I think the next piece is really important is that marketing piece. Like you said, you really help your students to simplify in the ways that actually are going to give them the most bang for their buck. So for you, especially, do you find that when you're on these, like, let's say platforms of Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and so forth. How do you kind of go about it as someone who's probably on here thinking, I want to get clients. How do you kind of have your content set up for yourself? Like when it comes to the systems or even just like what you talk about, do you find that you kind of transition to more of value testimonials kind of what do you find is your secret like sauce to content? 
Yeah. So if you look at any of my social media, it's like garbage. Like garbage <laughs> as service providers, I honestly think that we're so fortunate that we don't have to be on all those platforms. Mm-hmm. Like I have friends that spend hours upon hours upon hours each day on their Instagram and they are not getting the same amount of clients. And I truly believe it's because that I look at it as that's kind of like passive Mm -hmm. marketing. I want to be active marketing. And so that means like, if I'm saying marketing minutes, that means I'm in Facebook groups searching hashtag job op or hiring or, and I'm responding in a way that sets me apart from people. If I'm on LinkedIn, I'm making connections. I'm actively popping in their DMs or it's not DMs on LinkedIn, (laughs) but you know, I'm actively popping in their inboxes strategically. It's not just putting up content and hoping. And that's why if you look at my, like, I'm pretty, I'm okay with stories. I mean, there's nothing strategic about them, like (laughs) nothing. And my Facebook, like I did a Facebook live this week, but like, I am not strategic on social media because I know as a service-based entrepreneur, we're so fortunate that we don't have to be. Like we just have to be strategic in the marketing, which means you're looking specifically for people posting job ops. I agree. That's something that I've noticed even for myself in the last six months of going from literally three Xing like monthly income was because I cut out so much BS. Like when it comes to posting every day, having great content, a lot of people who are giving you that what's it called? That response, that advice are coaches or they are um, people who have a team underneath them. So I think that's also the part too, is looking at who's telling you that info, because that is something a lot of people get stuck in is they take advice from those who aren't as in the know of, okay, what am I actually doing right now to help my business at this stage versus talking to someone who doesn't either remember how it was to be at that stage or hasn't even had that business model before. Right. And I think, yeah, that I'm just really passionate about that. I love that as service. Now, as I'm moving into my membership role, I'm like, crap, I got to actually show up <laughs> on these platforms in a better way. And so I think that we're very fortunate in that sense that we don't have to do that. I love that. And this actually brings a really great question too for you is from your perspective, where do you think, which I think I already know your answer, but for those who don't, is what do you think is the number one platform, even number one or two that you think service providers can really flourish in right now when it comes to getting clients? So I really think you're actually, my answer is probably not going to be what you think mm-hmm. it is, but um, I really think that it's where your people are. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, my people are not on LinkedIn anymore. I mean, they are probably coming over there, but I work with course creators that are launching their own Facebook. Mm-hmm. Like that is where people can say Facebook's gone away, but groups are still so active. Like you want to see no one's posting on Instagram unless there's someone that's like 20,000 followers, but most people are not posting on Instagram and in their stories. Hey, job opening. They're in Facebook groups posting like, Hey, I need a Pinterest manager. Hey, I'm looking for a podcast manager. Or if you're working with local businesses, you should be on LinkedIn. It's like, go where your people are, not where you like to hang out. This is, I already know this part's going to be a quote already that probably my VA is going to have to put on a, like on a picture. But I think that's a, such a huge piece is that 
we get caught up in the idea of, okay, well, people are probably searching for stuff on YouTube. Let's do YouTube or Pinterest. Let's do this. And I love that piece about knowing where your ideal clients are because it really is true. And even as ads managers or ad strategists is when people come to you, you have to know that the clients that they're serving, are they even on Facebook or Instagram engaging to have results from. So I love that part about knowing where your ideal clients are. And that actually goes in great to kind of where you're at now. So for you, from someone who's kind of scaled even more so to the multiple, um, I think multiple six figure mark, how many current clients did you have at the six figure to where you're at now? Kind of how does that flow differ for you to kind of give someone um, a look into what the heaven looks like for them on the other side? Right. And so just remember that whenever you're scaling, there's hiccups along the way. So it's not like smelling the roses every day or anything like that. So in January, when I hit my first $10,000 a month, I had, um, I had six clients. Mm -hmm. Um, April was before my membership and I worked the least amount I've ever worked and had a $25,000 a month. That was incredible. I loved April. Mm -hmm. And now, um, now I'm at a point where like my prices are a premium. Like mm. they're, I'm only working with high six figure earners or seven figures so I can charge that premium. Mm-hmm. And so that's nice because I mean, if you look at my Dubsado, it's one of those things. If you look at my Dubsado, it looks like I have 20 clients right now. I do <laughs> not have 20 clients. The thing is when you create a wait list, the really fun thing is they pay you ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So I get paid in August for people who aren't launching until November. So like, it looks like I have a lot of clients, but like, I'm technically not starting on their accounts until the end of October. So it's one of those things like, it's, it's different. Like you go through these and then you learn that there's new challenges along with that. And so, but the cool thing is when you streamline your systems, you really get clear on focus and niche down. Like I only work with course creators. I'm known for launching webinars. Like that's what I'm known for. My systems don't change. The processes don't change. The copy and the graphics change. And that's about it. The strategy stays the same. The audience, now I'm at a point where like I've done so many launches, the audiences are just like drag and drop from my Google Drive, you know? Like it gets really fun because you start charging more, the systems are there, but that can only happen if you have the systems in place. Now I will tell you, I did hire, because September apparently everyone launches. And so I did hire a graphic designer and I even struggled with that because I teach my members like how to do this without hiring a team. But I have to remember I'm teaching them how to scale up to $10,000 months without hiring a team, not $30,000 months without hiring a team. And so when I hit that, I was like, oh, I have to get something off my plate. And for me, that was graphics. They were just taking too long for me to do. I hired my graphic designer. She's incredible. Her ads look 10 times better than mine ever did, but like that took things off my plate. So I think there is a time and place that you will hire, but I honestly think that you can do this and get to six figures without hiring anyone. I agree. And I think that's a really good piece that we can go into as well as now knowing the clients kind of like the difference you've had with it, but even more so is the amount of services you've probably shaved off and turned around and kind of like made it. So now you have this premium list, but even for those who are like under the six figure mark, let's say, what's your perspective of people who have, you know, three, five, six plus services, what, what's your perspective on for them really being able to scale, having these 
crazy amounts or a new offer every month type of thing. Yeah. So one of the big things that, and it's actually the first thing I go over and serve Salesforce is niche it down. Mm-hmm. Like you, and I tell people, how are you ever supposed to be known for something if you do everything? Mm-hmm. Because there's people like when I think of podcast managers, one person comes to my mind. When I think about a Pinterest manager, three people come to my mind like local Facebook ad business, like, because those people are niched down. I know exactly what they do. Mm-hmm. And then I know people who offer like four services and I really don't know what to refer them to. Cause I don't know what their zone of genius is. Yeah. And so I think once you get niche it down and you get super clear on what your offering is, it not only makes you more desirable, but it's easier for people to refer you and you streamline your system so you can take on more clients. And so even with me up until I think June was the last month I built my last sales funnel. I was building one sales funnel a month and they pay great, but I could also take on one client for Facebook ads. And it was 10 times less work than building that one sales funnel and they evened out. So like reevaluating your services. So now I literally only do, and I'm now I'm not even doing lead generation. So I'm just launching an evergreen funnel or we're launching. And that's the only two people I work with. So it makes my processes super easy. I love that. And I think this is a really great note too, from what you're hearing from Brandy is that niche down, but even inside of that, you probably have two offers. Like let's say for example, for an ads manager, that's already niche down, even for course creators, even more niche down, but you're still able to have a little more flexibility with, let's say for you, you probably had like a lead gen campaign, a launch in evergreen. There's still you know, different packages, but they're all around the ads for the course creators. So let me know if I'm on the right track with that. It's, it's around the same topic, but you just still have a smaller offering. Yeah. And I even got rid of the lead generation. So now it's either, Hey, you have an evergreen funnel or you have a live launch funnel. And that's the only way we work together. And so that's, and then also now targeting people who are seven figure businesses. Like that's how all my marketing is done around that now. Like when people refer me and things, it's, Oh, do you have a seven figure business? Okay. Yeah. And I think that's a really great mention too, is that the type of client even matters, like the income they're at, there are certain problems they're at. Cause even what you've probably run into as well is you have this now you have the service provider business that's around seven figures, but now the membership, which is under six figure people. So their languaging is different. Their problems are different, which is why it's so important to niche down to at least some type of industry for yourself and type of person, because speaking from probably experience for myself and her, if you have two different types of clients, you're going to drive yourself insane with the type of content to create the type of places you need to be. It just, it creates more mental like clutter for yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. So a couple other things before we move on to rapid fire round, which already, this has been amazing probably one of the best episodes for my audience around this area. So I'd love to go into this piece too, because you talk about this a lot in your free training, which is going to be all in the show notes below around pricing. So I think this is a topic that everyone, especially service providers, struggle with when it comes to their services. So do you find for those who are under the six-figure mark, what is your advice to them on how to price themselves, how to price their service? Let's say they're finally down to like, okay, I am a, let's go with podcast manager because that stands out. I'm a podcast manager. How do I now price my services since I'm, you know, I'm a little more niched in? Yeah. So I can't stand when people say, take your hours and then how much you want to make. So that's no. And then I can't stand when people are like, take how much you're worth. 
Because I'm like, okay, I'm worth millions of dollars, but no one's going to pay me millions of dollars a month for my services. So there has to be like this thing. So I tell people you have to do market research and you have to find out what the market's willing to pay. Mm-hmm. Once you know what the market's willing to pay, that's your base. And then every success story, you raise your prices until you're only working with your ideal client. I love that perspective because it's something that needs to be said more. It's like the market literally dictates everything about your business. And I know that sounds unfortunate for some people, but it's just the honest truth is that when it comes to pricing, when it comes to how many clients you can have, like all these things all play a factor into what the market or even your ideal clients are willing to pay. So I love that perspective of actually kind of like scaling up like a ladder. You're slowly scaling up your pricing while you work with more people. I think the biggest thing that I get irritated by, which probably you do as well, is when coaches or experts, quote unquote, say, you know, charge what you think you're worth. Uh, Think about $10,000 and divide it by five. And like, that's going to be your price point when A, if you don't feel comfortable saying the price, that's going to be really hard. And B, if you, if your clients are, let's say newer people and you're trying to do like 5k price point, they might not be as open to it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a good point is it also comes down to mindset. Like if you can't tell someone that your ads per month are $4,000, like if that, like you don't believe that, then no one's going to pay you for that. And that's something like, even as you raise your prices, you constantly have to work on with your mindset. And that's why I always say, raise them once you get results, raise them once you get testimonials, because then it's easier because you have those wins that are not only your clients wins, but your internal wins. Yeah, I think that's a huge piece for a lot of us is even though we hate to say it is validation of some sorts, whether it be from clients, their success stories, whether it be from them saying, oh my gosh, you're the best thing ever. Like that kind of thing really does help us because outside of our clients, we don't really have any other feedback. So I love that perspective of really taking it from your clients versus that area because you, I mean, you're going to always have to work on your mindset, your, your quote unquote worth, these type of things. But I love that piece of scaling it up because from anyone who's done offers before, who's created new ones or try and price it from like, what do you feel like you want to earn? It just never works out the way that you want it to. Yeah, it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) Which is something that no one talks about. This is why I love to speak about this because this is the actual truth. Like the honest advice for people who are under six figures that you should I hate the word should, but that would really benefit you to kind of go off of. So I'd love to go one last thing for you, which is that mention of really being able to build two six figures without having a team. So for you, what do you find, let's say for your client work, for example, um, you've automated so much of your stuff. What do you find is still something that you already had your graphics done, but when it comes to let's say your membership people and their own client work, what are certain things that are easy outsourcing things for them to do? Or for example, I think the biggest thing that I hear so often is like, I need a VA or like, I need a, someone to come in for a couple hours to do like admin tasks, email management. So for you, do you kind of see it more as I'm just going to do these tools and let's, let's automate it from there or kind of what's your perspective on, okay, let's be honest, six figures, you can get there without a team. Yeah. I think the big thing is like, Really, do you really need someone to do your emails? Because if you're under six figures, how many emails are you actually getting? Like, and as a service provider, like, how many emails are you really getting? Like, even now, I'm like, my inbox is manageable. Like, Mm -hmm. I can manage it myself. Um, So I would, one, take a note, like, really? Is that something you need? And then I think it's just 
streamlining, like getting, sitting down and figuring out what do you do and making processes for them. It sucks. Mm -hmm. It sucks when you're doing it, but then once it's done, it's done. So like from off the side of service, but when I was in my launch, it took me 10 times longer to finish up the launch because I recorded every aspect of it. So then I don't have to do it next time if I don't want to. Like I don't have to schedule convert kit emails if I don't want to, but I made sure to record and document the process. So if I wanted someone, it's there. But also when you have those steps, like even now, I know what I do when a new client comes on, but I still pull up my ClickUp template. I still go through and check off contract has been sent invoice has been sent. Like this has been the ad audit's been done. Like I literally go through the checklist every time and I work faster because of that, because it's all, everything has a process. Yeah. I really believe that too. I think the biggest thing when it comes to any, anything you're doing repeatedly, there's a process to it. And I think that's a big thing that you're mentioning is that there are certain things you're going to be doing every single day or every week that you can at least for yourself process and automate or even just have a template of like for me probably similar for you is having even like client email templates having responses to certain things because there's certain questions you're going to ask these things although no it's not a separate human doing it for you you at least took out that extra let's say 10-15 minutes it would have taken you to draft up a new email on that same topic Oh yeah. I have candy emails and Dubsado for everything. I have proposal templates. Like everything has a template to it. Even my ad copy has templates. Oh yeah. Same here. I think that's the biggest like BS of all times when people try and like create all new graphics or copy every single time. Like if it works really well, just tweak things and let it work well for you. Stop trying to resist things. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. Okay. Well, I think we've done so much good content when it comes to not only people understanding like this is possible for them, but even more so practical advice with tools, with things that can work well for you. So before we go, I'd love to go into rapid fire round. So this is just going to be like five to six questions, um, really just to do your first thought, word, or sentence that comes up in your mind to give people just a little more of a connection piece with you. So are you ready? I'm absolutely ready. Awesome. Okay. So the first one is, this one's a hard one, but favorite book you've ever read or currently reading? Inside Out Revolution. Ooh. Uh, what is your favorite word or phrase you use daily? Okay, so I'm always telling in my membership, I always say I'd rather live in the oh wells than the what ifs. Mm, I love that. It's a, it's a very honest truth. <laughs> if you weren't an entrepreneur, what would you have been? A homeless person. I don't know. Like I was literally meant to be an entrepreneur, so I'm not really sure. I love I've that. never had a nine to five job. So actually like, same I here. I did Starbucks and like Lyft. I did everything. I did not want to do nine to five. It was everything outside of nine to five. So I understand. So I'm like true millennial. <laughs> what is something you're not very good at or working to get better at? So I'm constantly working on my copywriting. It's not something that comes natural to me. Um, I know legal writing. And so I have to unlearn legal writing to write good copies. So that's something that I'm always working at. That's, that's actually a really practical one for sure, especially for ads and even literally marketing in general. What is one characteristic that you believe every entrepreneur needs to have? You have to have the willingness to be open. 
Mm. Like you have to be okay. Like I know I'm going to have a million dollar business. I don't know when or how I'll get there, but I like, I know it's going to happen and I'm just open to that and I don't have to put deadlines on it or anything. I'm just, I think that's a big one is just being open. I, I agree, especially because you never really know where your next client or next opportunity is going to come from. I mean, it can anywhere. So awesome. Two last questions for this. Um, what are two tools, mindset, or resources you think entrepreneurs need to have just to make their marketing and business successful? You need Dubsado. <laughs> not a commercial for them. They I know, sponsorship. <laughs> um, I really think that Dubsado just makes like your life easy. And then... Um, I think it helps to have, I'm very passionate about how you should only keep your circle open to one or two mentors. I think that there's a lot of people online and everyone has things that they say, but find one or two people who really align with your beliefs and their work shows matches up with how you want to work and follow those and just absorb what they have. And you don't need to listen to 10 podcasts. Find two people that light you up and you really relate to and just run with that. If anyone just heard that, listen to that three times over, because that's the biggest lesson that I learned in my first two years was really taking advice or even learning from those who didn't have either the business model or lifestyle that I wanted. And that really threw off and really deterred my success for a while because you're listening to people who you said don't have your right values, don't have the, even the model you want, or even just the the way that you speak and the way that you think it really helps to have someone like that so I really believe in that as well and also you just get crazy clouded if you have to do so many different people absolutely last question which is my favorite one is what does success look like to you in your own eyes success looks like me being able to go to Disney on a Tuesday or flying to San Diego or just having the freedom and flexibility to do what I want and spend the time with my family, but also travel is a big thing for us. Like we want to travel and it's great to know now that I don't have to worry about a vacation. It's not stressful to go on vacation. It's done. It's paid for. And then also just being able to, you know, we just donated a ton to Village Impact, which is something super close to my heart. And that was something 15 months ago I would have never been able to do. So I think that it's just about creating a lifestyle you love and giving back along the way. I love that. And I think that's a a very big shift that a lot of entrepreneurs are slowly getting into is bringing some of what you can, when you are at that spot, able to give back because it's such a huge piece. And we all have our own causes that we really believe in. So this has been absolutely amazing. I want to make sure for those who are listening to this, who are like, Brandy, I need you in my absolute life. So what are some current things you're working on to give the audience a little taste on what they can look out for? So you can go to my Instagram, even though it doesn't look like I'm ever on there. (laughs) I actually am. I'm always in my DMs. So that's at Brandy and Company, B-R-A-N-D-I and Company. You can always DM me there. And then you can find me at servescalesore.com forward slash free. And that will get you my free training. And that'll all be down below too. So in case you just need the links, that'll be there too. For those who have heard all of this and are like, gosh, I need her. Make sure to go to the link for free because she has a free training that touches on all of this, the pricing, the the team and everything. So make sure to go there and check it out. But I want to say, first of all, there you guys have it. This has been an amazing episode. Thank you so much, Brandy, for coming on. This has been an absolute pleasure. And I 
I almost want to bet that I have, there will be so many takeaways from this episode. It's going to be amazing. So thank you again for coming on here and taking the time. Thank you. And one last thing. So membership doors, because I, I totally forgot, but <laughs> told me this is coming out, so mm-hmm. I might as well plug it. So the doors to serve scale soar open up October 15th. There will be a free training. So you can always DM me and get on the wait list for that. And um, it's a pretty magical launch. You get a whole bunch of free videos and trainings and it's a good one. Even if you don't join us, you get a ton of good information. Exactly. So basically what this is coming down to is follow her on Instagram, love on her and get in get into some type of thing that she has. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. All right, guys. So if you have any questions or if you want to DM us with all your takeaways or even questions, make sure to do that. The links will be below, but thank you guys for coming on here. Thank you, Brandy, and talk to you guys in the next episode. Bye guys. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I am so excited that you were able to go through it and get some actionable tips out of it. For next steps, make sure you go to daniellecleum.com slash ad breakdown to get the complete ad breakdown around what one Insta ad did to help create 559 client leads and 20% sales increase and launch. Make sure to go ahead there to do that and DM me at I'm Danielle Clem to go in deeper to the conversation. And last but not least, make sure to leave a rating and review so that this podcast can get out to more amazing people like yourself.